All right, well, hey, good morning. How are you? Okay, let's be honest. Waiting for our time to come can be painful, right? Is that right? It's almost as painful as being uh, disqualified from the Super Bowl and then having to get up in front of a room full of people and talk. Like that's, but I guess I'll just wait for my time to come. Okay, so, but seriously, it can be very painful, right? Because in a room this size, with this many people in it, uh, it's sure to be true that some of us are going through something very intense right now. Some of us are probably having a less than great experience in our life right now. We're facing trials and troubles of varying degrees. Maybe, maybe it's job loss. Maybe it's financial duress. Uh, maybe you're just dealing with an on- ongoing crisis of grief, and it feels like life is coming at you like a nationwide commercial, you know, like mayhem everywhere. No one may, that, doesn't, that didn't work. Okay, <laughs> but the question we want to pose for you this morning is simply this. In a time of crisis, in a time of pain, will you take from it or will it take from you? Will you let it steal from you or will you decide you're going to take from it? And we've been in this series called Adulting and we're learning how to grow up emotionally and spiritually. And recently I was in Atlanta with a couple of Gateway staffers and we were driving by the CNN building in downtown and there was Turner Broadcasting and they were advertising for jobs on a marquee and this is what they had posted there. Yeah, adulting can be awesome, right? Until it's not. Isn't that true? You know the number one thing that people cite as the number one stunt of growth and maturation emotionally and spiritually is a difficult season of pain and deep heartfelt struggle. Some difficult season in their life. And here's the interesting thing. We know that physically there are some basic truths that we need food for sustenance, and we need exercise, and we need rest. And if we want to build more muscle, it requires pain. You know the old gym slogan, right? No pain, no gain. And the very same thing is true emotionally and spiritually. They run on parallel tracks. But most people, honestly, don't embrace this because it's hard. And there's a guy named Parker Palmer, who you should know, and he came to a point in his life when he was going through a tremendously deep depression in an attempt to break out of it. He signed up for a program called Outward Bound, where you literally go into the wilderness and you are taken through a series of of tests and trials to help you learn how to overcome. Parker says this of his experience, I chose the week-long course at Hurricane Island off the coast of Maine. Now, I should have known from that name what was in store for me. Next time I will sign up for Happy Gardens or Pleasant Valley, right? Won't make that mistake again, right? (laughs) In the middle of the week, I faced the challenge I feared the most. One of our instructors backed me up to the edge of a cliff 110 feet above a solid rock. He tied a very thin rope to my waist and told me to start rappelling down the cliff. Do what? I asked. Just go, he was told by the instructor down the cliff, which was a typical outward bound statement. So Parker says, so I went and immediately slammed into a ledge some four feet down with bone-jarring, brain-sloshing force. The instructor looked down at him and said, I don't think you've quite got it. Well, that's very helpful. Right, Parker said. So what am I supposed to do? The instructor said this, interestingly. The only way to do this is to lean back as far as you can. You've got to get your body at right angles to the cliff so your weight will be on your feet. It's counterintuitive, but it's the only way it works. Parker says, I knew he was wrong, of course. 
I knew that the real trick was to hug the mountain and to stay as close to the rock as I possibly could. So I tried again, my way. You ever do that? Just keep trying your way, right? And he says, I slammed in the next ledge just another four feet down. Instructor says, you still don't have it. Really? Thank you, Captain Obvious. All right. Okay, said Parker. Tell me again what I'm supposed to do. The instruction came back. Lean way back and take the next step. The next step was a big one, Parker says, but he took it. And then he says this, wonder of wonders, it worked. I leaned back into empty space, my eyes fixed on the heavens in prayer, made tiny, tiny moves, descending down the rock face, gaining confidence with each and every step. I'm about halfway down when the second instructor called up from below, another instructor at the ground, and that instructor said this, Parker, I think you'd better stop and see what's going on below you at your feet. He says, I lowered my eyes and very slowly I saw that I was approaching a very deep hole in the face of the rock. To get around it, there was only one way, to swing out and around it. You've seen repellers who have to swing out and around. He said, I had to get around this hole, which meant I needed to change course and swing myself out. I knew for certain that attempting to do so would lead directly to my death. So I froze, paralyzed with fear. The second instructor let me hang there, he, tells, he goes on to tell, trembling in silence for what seemed like forever. Finally, she shouted up these helpful words, Parker, is anything wrong? To this day, Parker says, I don't know where the words came from, but I have 12 witnesses to the fact that I spoke them in a very high, squeaky voice. I said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so the second instructor from the ground shouted up, then it's time... You learn the motto of Outward Bound. Great, thought Parker. I'm hanging on by a thread. I'm going to die, and she's going to give me a motto. Awesome, right? And he goes on to say, but then she shouted ten words that he hopes he never forgets, words whose impact and meaning he can still feel in his life today. The ten words were this. If you can't get out of it, get into it. If you can't get out of it, then get into it. And this is your life, right? This is my life. If you're in a trial, you're some struggle, you can't pretend like it's not happening. You can't bury your head in the sand. It's not going to go away like that. I can't point the finger of blame at someone else, even if there's someone else to blame, because at the end of the day, it's still my trouble. It's still my pain. I I have to accept responsibility. And and if you take nothing else from today, I hope you, you hear these words. If you can't get out of it, then get into it. When you're faced with something you absolutely hate and you can't escape from and you'd like to change, but you can't, I want you to think if I can't get out of it, I'm going to get into it and I'm going to choose to grow through it. Because here's the brutal truth about emotional and spiritual growth. There's good news and there's bad news. Now, I don't know what your disposition is about good news. When someone says, I got good news and I got bad news. I tend to prefer the bad news first because then at least we end on a high note, Right? Like, I don't like to get the good news because then it sours quickly. It's like the, the two rabid baseball fans. You ever heard that joke? Two rabid baseball fans who agree yeah, the first one who dies is going to come back and tell the other one if there's baseball in heaven. So the first one checks out, comes back, says, hey, man, I got good news and bad news. What's the good news, man? There's baseball in heaven. Yeah! Well, what could the bad news be? You're pitching Friday, right? So, see, it sours. just sours the good news. It's like it's ruined now. And so here's the brutal truth about adulting and growing up emotionally and spiritually. 
there's bad news. And I'm going to give it to you first. The bad news is this, that every single one of us, every single one of you, myself, every person with an earshot of my voice, will go through trials and troubles and tribulations in this life. It's an absolute mathematical fact. It's certain to happen. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. And if you haven't had to go through trials yet, if you haven't had heartache or pain or loss, or you haven't had a deep season of struggle in your life, I say two things to you. One, congratulations, and two, just you wait. It's coming. Because no one gets through this thing unscathed, right? None of us get through this life without pain. It just doesn't work that way. But there's good news, too. Jesus also said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And despite the pain and difficulties of life that never become to all of us, there's a way through them that can make us overcomers too. In fact, it's actually the only path to true emotional and spiritual maturity. You know, when people are asked this question, when did you grow most in life as a person? Categorically, the number one answer over and over again is through some difficult period in life, during a trial or a hardship or painful season. Studies of character formation show again and again that it's the painful, difficult situations that we grow the most through, if we choose. No pain, no gain. Right Now, obviously, we can't program for growth through pain. That would be a little sadistic. You don't want that to happen. But here's what you can do. You can be prepared for it when it comes your way. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I, I, want, you to, I want to help you understand that the very same sun that softens wax also hardens clay. The One and the same sun. So the very same trials and sufferings can soften one heart and harden another. The very, the very same trials and sufferings can produce deep love and compassionate character in one individual while producing bitterness and hatred in another. It has to do with the preparedness of our heart and our own choice, how we're going to fight through it. There's a guy named Paul. He's one of the first Christians. He went all over the Roman Empire starting communities of faith, and he would record and write letters back to them to encourage them and sometimes admonish. And one he wrote to the church in Rome. And these were his very words. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. That's not a typo. I checked. (laughs) We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You see, love is always the end game. Becoming people who experience and exhibit love of another kind The brutal truth is you can't grow emotionally and spiritually without growing through pain. No pain, no gain. So we need to understand the role of trials and how to get into them when we can't get out of them. And here's another brutal truth I think you should know. um, That American Christianity does not deal well with this issue. American Christianity really does not deal well with what's often called the dark night of the soul those difficult, dark spiritual seasons. 
There are many stages of faith that we're going to talk about six today, written about extensively by deeply mature Christ followers of past generations. And the brutal truth is that most American Christians, including us at Gateway, don't talk about many of them other than the first three. So here they are. Stage one is life-changing awareness of God. This stage, whether in childhood or adulthood, is the beginning of our journey with Christ. As we become aware of his reality, we realize our need for mercy and forgiveness, and we begin a relationship with him. This will be characterized as a gateway as come as you are. As Eric said earlier, you can come as you are and discover this new reality at your pace and your terms. Stage two is spiritual growth and discipleship. This stage is characterized by learning about God and what it means to follow Christ. We become part of a Christian community and begin to get rooted in the disciplines of the faith. We start serving others with others. We get into life group. We learn to pray, study scripture, replace much of our old self-behavior with new self behavior. Our love for God and people grows. Live connected and be transformed is how we would say this at Gateway. Come as you are, live connected, be transformed. Stage three is what's known as the active life. This is described often as the doing stage. Our faith becomes more about God and others than what we can get. We take responsibility for ourselves by bringing our unique talents and gifts to serve Christ and serve others. We become more other-centered, Servants, servant leaders, we may lead others. We mark this season at Gateway with something we call commissioning, and we go into a season we call Change Your World. It's literally the beginning of maturity, and we may lead. There are people, you should know, you should know this, by the way, there are people who lead entire churches, who pastor churches for years, and they never confront something called the wall, or what ancient Christ followers have coined the dark night of the soul. Here's something you need to know. The pain and trials of hitting the wall or the dark night of the soul are not the consequences of sin or wrongdoing. Uh, this is important, very, very important to understand. There is pain and troubles that we, we cause ourselves when we just basically say we're going to live life our way, not the way God intended, and it causes us a great deal of pain. It's the kind of thing we, we mess our spiritual diapers and then we blame God because it stinks, right? You get what I'm saying? That's stage two, right? That's stage two, spiritual growth and discipleship. This is not what the wall or the dark night of the soul is about. The truth is that we often make mistakes and just bad choices and we keep reaping um, a pain as a result. You should know that God's not inflicting this pain. He was trying to protect us from it all along by guiding us to his will. Like, hey, don't do these things because if you keep doing these things, it's going to cause you a great deal of pain and other people pain too. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're like, yeah, a lot of the pain in my life is just I keep doing the same things that keep causing painful behavior. And I don't know another way other than to say, stop it. <laughs> like, like, it's not good. It's written in the Bible. This is what it says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I don't want to oversimplify, but if some of the pain in your life today is being caused by some of your own foolish choices, then there's really a, a simple remedy, which is don't make those foolish choices. Stop rejecting God's way and, and go his way rather than your own way. And some of that can be alleviated. But we're going to talk about a different kind of pain. But before we do, we're going to pause, and I want you to listen to Jen's story. Jen is a member uh, and attends our North Campus of Gateway. I'm Jen. I am a commissioned leader here at Gateway, and I lead a women's group in our anchor network here at North Campus. And I'm also a full-time pastry chef. My longing for something that I didn't have started around age 26. I really thought I'd be married and everything would start, uh, and it didn't. And it did 
for everyone else, it seemed like. Um, and now it seems like everyone else has that, and I'm still not there. And I dated great guys, um, but they just weren't ever the right guy. And that hurt over and over and over again, if I'm being honest. And then seeing my friends that I went to high school with have their second and third kids kept reminding me that I was behind where I thought I should be. I felt like I was the last one left and that he had forgotten about me. But I know that's not true. But I felt that way and it's hard to pull yourself out of something even though you know it's not true. Because it hurts. I was mad at God because I felt like he left me behind. I felt like it wasn't fair. I felt like I was the only one. Um, and I told him a lot of that. Um, I would cry to him and just be mad. Simply put, I did not date God's way until recent, more recently. And I've seen the errors of why he asks you to date his way. And it makes total sense now. And I wish I'd done that from the beginning, but I didn't. And so I have some wounds from the past that hurt. Um, but I know that his truths and his ways are better than what, what mine are. Okay, so now we, we talk about the really tough stuff. Because the confusing part of the stages of faith are simply this, that when we're truly maturing, we hit something that's historically called the wall or, or the dark night of the soul. It's a painful emotional spiritual season that compels us into the journey inward, which is stage four. The wall is not pain that's caused from consequences of our bad behavior. The wall is a time when we might actually be doing everything right. And yet, we go into an, an emotional, spiritual season of darkness. It's probably the most important catalyst for true emotional and spiritual growth. But many people run from it rather than grow through it. The truth is, many people turn away from God and don't grow. It's, it's real and it's painful. And if we aren't prepared for the hope and the deeper love and joy and peace that's on the other side of the wall, we'll simply turn away from it and scramble. You should know that God allows the wall or the dark night of the soul to give us more of himself. It is a season of internal soul searching and purging, almost like the way that a metal worker takes silver and puts it under extreme heat so that the impurities arise to the surface so that he can then scrape them off and have pure silver. God takes us through a similar process. And he allows the pains and the troubles of life not to harm us, but to actually draw our us closer to true love. And this seems really weird at first. It seems very, it is, it's counterintuitive. It feels like something that's, that shouldn't work the way it does, but I, can, I have to tell you, I've experienced this myself a couple of different times. A deep season of emotional and spiritual pain, a wall. And I can tell you that I, I've gotten on the other side of it, and then every time I've done it, I've always said things like this, I'm so grateful that I, I went through that, which is like asinine. It's like, I'm so grateful for something I would never have voluntarily signed up for. I'm so grateful to have endured a season that was just terribly painful. 
But I wouldn't be the person I am now. I wouldn't understand love the way I understand love now. I wouldn't know the things I know. And so you come away with gratitude. And I've heard that from many, many other people who have been through this sort of season. The wall of the dark night can come on from a variety of reasons. It could be a crisis that turns our world upside down. So perhaps it's a divorce or a job loss or the death of a family member. It could be a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience. It could be a betrayal. It could be a shattered dream, an inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled. It could just be when life doesn't seem to go the way life is supposed to go. It could be when you hit a point where you're like, man, faith used to work for me. It doesn't seem to work the way it used to. We question ourselves. We question God. We question the church. We have more questions than we have answers. We feel like the very foundation of our lives is crumbling underneath of us. You see why no one ever talks about this? Some of you are like, yeah, I know, Rob. I'm so glad I came to church today. Thanks. This is very uplifting. <laughs> but if I'm being, but being serious, this may be the most important thing you hear this year. Because the truth is you can't get to the final two stages of faith unless you go through the wall. It, it's, it's a time when your hidden idols and your God supplements are just getting scraped off, and it only comes from God. True love only comes from God and your ability to understand it. What mature and loving godly Christians over the past, like a guy named St. John of the Cross, wrote, who actually wrote The Dark Night of the Soul, he observed this, that we often as Christians and we often as people interpret the wall as a punishment from God, like we must be doing something wrong. Because it shouldn't happen if we don't. But the reality is this, it's actually completely opposite. God loves us and trusts our spiritual strength so much that he's taken us through the only path possible that leads to greater intimacy and experience of his joy and his love, real joy, real love. For me, I have to tell you, I'd been a Christian and in Christian ministry for about five years when I hit my first wall. Up to that point, I was doing the three steps, stage one, two, and three, stage one, two, and three, like clockwork, right? And it was working for me. And then I hit my first one. I got to tell you, it was a remarkably painful experience. But I got through it, and I'm way better for having gone through that wall. But I'll tell you this, 10 years after that, God brought me to another wall. And this one was much taller and much thicker. Still glad I went through it, but man, it's, pain, it's still painful to talk about. Some of you know, uh, because uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I, Shala, stood on the stage at Crockett High School where South Campus was meeting at the time. We told the story of what happened in our lives in the spring of 2012, nearly five years ago. And this is kind of the account. My wife and I were working jobs at a church consulting firm that also consulted with nonprofits and had a national influence. It was, our, it was a dream job. We had influence all over North America, from Montreal and Atlanta to Phoenix in one week. We had influence on great kingdom work, and it was amazing. And things were just going well. Our son was getting ready to enter college. Our daughter, you know, made the cheerleading squad and everything was, oh, it was like we were like living that mid, we were in Chicago, we were living that kind of Midwestern dream life, right? And then suddenly one Monday we walk into an office with the CEO, the COO of the company, and this is the words we heard. Hey, listen, this company has been in financial duress since long before you got here. And through no fault of your own, we are cutting the entire department you're in. Your next paycheck doing 11 days is your last one. No severance package. You're being let go as if it were a privilege. Like, you're let go, be free. It didn't feel good. 
right? I didn't want to be let go. And we had already planned a vacation to Key West. And so we, we'd already paid for everything. And so we embarked, and two days after we got that news, we embarked on the saddest vacation a family has ever taken in their entire lives. But at least it was on a beach, right? I mean, we sat on that beach and we moped. Man, we were like, oh, why? Why? why God? Oh. You know, it was a whole thing, but at least, you know, at least we were on a beach, right? So we get back from the saddest vacation a family has ever taken, and we're, making, we're thinking through the next steps of our lives. What does our life look like now? Where do we go? What do we do? Uh, and I get a phone call from a guy named Jake, who's our realtor in Las Vegas, where we still own a home because we had left there recently, having planted a church in Las Vegas. And Jake says, he asked me, he, he said, hey, Rob. I said, hey, Jake. And he asked me this question. He says, hey, man, did you rent out the house here in Vegas? I said, Jake, you're our realtor. You'd know if I did. Why are you asking me that? Jake goes on to tell me that we have squatters living in the home. People have illegally taken possession, and due to some antiquated laws in the books in Nevada that go back to the wild, wild west, and some buffoonery that takes place in that city where they don't handle things terribly well of this nature, it takes us 15 months to get our squatters evicted who have no legal lease and we're legally responsible for the home. They do scores of damage, tens of thousands to $100,000 in damage. We end up losing our home to foreclosure because we don't have the money to put it in repair. In the middle of that season, we had moved back to Virginia, where where we're from, to kind of get back on our feet and kind of figure out our next steps. Uh, Right in that season, a pastor friend of mine from back in Virginia said, hey, would you mind coming and speaking to our church this week? And I said, I'd be honored. That very week that I'm supposed to speak, that pastor's wife commits suicide. I have to stand up the day after her memorial. And lead a church about the size of South Campus. (laughs) <laughs> through the dark night. The, the, the elders asked me, will you stay on for like five months or so, just be our interim teaching pastor and help us get through it? I said, I don't think you, I, I'm going through my own dark night. Well, you're perfect for this. <laughs> do you know what I talked about for far, five months? The wall, the dark night of the soul. When things happen that you don't understand, you didn't do anything wrong, and something happens and it sends you spiraling into a deep, emotional, spiritual season. During the season, my son and my daughter would suffer from depression. I couldn't even help them because I was suffering from my own depression. If I'm being honest, I I felt like a bad person. I started hearing things like, well, you know, at your age, it's going to be tough to bounce back. I was like, what? What My age? That's that's terrible to say to somebody who's struggling. (laughs) So... (laughs) But here's the, here's the truth. I felt like a bad leader to my family. I felt I struggled with worthlessness. And I thought, well, surely I'm doing something wrong. Because that's what you think. God surely is punishing me, but why? And even though I'd been through a wall before, I was struggling through another dark night of the soul. And I got to tell you, I'd spend hours crying out to God. Like, why? What are you doing? Where are you? What is happening? My credit score is destroyed. Don't you care? Am I supposed to be a responsible person? Turns out God doesn't care about FICO nearly as much as you and I do. (laughs) So I just cried out for hours and hours, man, and it felt like God was silent, and it confused me, and it confused my wife. We were just in the depths. 
really dark season. It felt like somebody just opened a trap door and we'd fallen through. But the truth is God was actually drawing us closer to him than we'd ever been in our lives. This is the actual truth. The truth is I was hurt and frustrated because God's will was not being done the way I thought God's will should be done. You see the problem there? Unfortunately, I didn't yet. I'm a little slow. So um, after a long period of crying out to God and hearing nothing but silent, finally Shawl and I became silent. We started listening. And what we, what we heard was not an answer, but a question, and it kept coming up over and over again. God saying, am I enough? Am I enough for you? And if, I, if I'm being honest, the brutal truth was, nope, God, you're not enough. I guess loving you and loving my wife and kids, faithful, faithfully serving you and others is not enough. The brutal truth is, I need things to go my way. And if they don't, we're going to have friction. And I'll tell you, it was during that time that I realized my faith was really about my will and my ways being done and trying to get God to align his will with mine. And I can't tell you the level of anxiety and frustration when he would not obey. What I realized is I was addicted to myself, and that needed to be scraped away. Truth is, I had lots of God's substitutes. I had lots of things I was looking to, to try to find the things I was really missing, like love and joy. And the truth is, those things are only housed in and with God, because he, he is of those things, and I did not yet know it fully. The truth is, I started to experience joy in the oddest ways. And if I'm being honest with you, I will tell you today, I'm so grateful for that season. And it was if oh, the dark night. If only it were one night, right? It was like three, four years. And I will tell you, I'm so grateful I endured it, which again is the craziest thing to say to a room full of people because it is marked by great pain in our family. But I tell you this, if we had not endured it, we would not be where we are now. We wouldn't be in this place. I would not be in this room. I would not be able to even understand or fathom the great mystery of love that I've longed for all my life. Paul, that same guy who traveled the empire writing letters to the church, wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, this is what happens when you lean into the dark night, and you seek God, and you wait on God, and you listen and learn even when God seems quiet or distant or very, very far away or non-existent altogether. Because it leads to the inner journey of growth that you, you can't get any other way. And it's better than anything life has ever offered you before. It's counterintuitive, you understand. But it will bring you to a better place. And this is what leads to stage five. Don't give up. Walk by faith, not by sight, and you will find stage five, the journey outward. Having passed through a crisis of faith, 
and the intense inner journey necessary to go through the wall, we begin once again to move outward to do for God. We may do some of the same exact activities that we used to do, like give or lead and serve and initiate acts of mercy towards others. But the difference is now that we give out of a new and grounded center of ourselves and who God is and who we are in him. We have rediscovered something profound, deep, and accepting. It's love. A deep inner stillness now begins to characterize our work for God. We don't do things because we ought to or because we should or for what we can get out of it. We do them simply because it's an expression of the very love that we enjoy and we experience. And we long to share it with others so that they might find it too. And it's shocking that God can use us to spread life and love and freedom even more because we now possess more of it than we ever have in our life previously. See, God allows this dark night to come to draw us closer to himself so that we can offer the world something that's not about us, something that's about him and his great love for all people. And that leads to the final stage, stage six, where we're transformed into love. And God continually sends events and circumstances and people into our lives to keep us pushing forward on our journeys because he is determined to complete the good work that he began in us. I'm going to tell you, that's not the last wall I think I'm ever going to go through. And if someone were right now going, hey, will you sign up for it? I'd probably be like, "Mm, no. But I'm going to be prepared when it comes, knowing that there is a love and a joy on the other side that's greater and richer than anything I've ever known. And the only way to get there is through the wall. And so I want to live, like in the words of John Wesley, a great pioneer of Christian faith, who said that we must be made perfect in love, that Christ's love becomes our love, both toward God and others, when we realize love truly is the beginning and the end. And God knows the way to take us there, even when we don't, and even if it's through a path that we would not sign up for. So I want you to remember, no pain, no gain. And if you can't get out of it, get into it. And most importantly, remember this, the same sun that softens wax, that softens wax, hardens clay, the choice really is up to you. So I want you to hear the end of Jen's story, and as you do, I want you to ponder where you're at today and what what season of life you're in and how you can endure it, stick to it, grow through it, and be prepared for the seasons that are to come. I used to feel like I was enough for me and that I could make things happen and I could do the checklist, and I could get the things done, and I would be in charge of my life. And that doesn't go well all the time. I've let God have the reins since then. And that's a daily thing, sometimes. But going on his journey rather than mine is a whole lot more exciting. And letting him have control of things rather than me fighting for control of things is a lot uh, more peaceful and a lot less cumbersome. And you have to worry about a lot less when you know somebody else is in control. I feel like God has showered me with awesome friends that I didn't have before. Um, And while that does not make up for a husband or an awesome boyfriend that's on the way to be a husband, (laughs) it sure does fill in gaps. I feel so much more secure in who I am because where where God's led me and what I've had to work through. 
And I would have, I feel like I'm bringing so much more to the table that I would have never had. So that's one reason it's all been worth it, even though it sucked the whole time. <laughs> like I'm such a better version of myself and so much stronger and so much more passionate about God and so much more willing to do good for him than I was before. The journey that he's put me on and the growth that I've had through it all, I wouldn't have had any other way. And so seeing that in hindsight, of course, makes it worth it. Unfortunately, it took a little while, a long while, and it's probably gonna take a lot more, but I've already seen where it's worth it, so I already know that the next part's gonna be there and worth it tenfold.